Good morning and welcome to our Compassion Sunday. You know, we've been doing a series called Person of Interest, and we, we discovered that Jesus is the ultimate person of interest because out of Jesus flows this incredible love and, and value to us. We discovered that he is the invisible God made visible to us that he was sent from the Father to us so that we could see God. We could see what God is about, what God is like, but particularly so that we could discover what God is interested in. And so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says that God so loved the world, it was a declaration that the heart of God is interested in us and supremely interested in us so that he would give his own life on the cross and the power of his resurrection. And as a result of it, we become persons of interest through his love. God becomes, uh, he enables us to become persons of interest so that we can also be ones who give interest to others. It's beautiful. It's like in all those technical creeds, like that you grew up with, the Athanasian Creed and Westminster Creed and all the different confessions. We try to explain God. But in all the different forms that we try to communicate to God in our Christian faith, all of them have this idea of God proceeding, proceeding forth, God speaking out and God creating, the Son of God being begotten of the Father, proceeding to us, coming into the world, and love proceeding from him. We find out the Father says that Jesus matters, and it proceeds from the Father. From Jesus, we discover that you matter and that I matter. And now part of this beautiful design, we are discovering the next person of interest where we say, Others matter. And all of this is a result of proceeding, a proceeding of compassion. It's not something that remains in the darkness of the undiscovered. It's not hidden in God any longer. But now it is revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. In perfect imagery, Jesus communicates with perfect definition the interest of God. And as a result of it, we become persons of interest. But now, because we have become persons of interest, we are the ones that are called to proceed, to go forth, to begotten in other people that they are the interest of God. It's, it's almost like, if you can you know, put it this way, I see Jesus, us, and, and all this together is kind of like an ecosystem, a divine ecosystem. But in Jesus, we have the perfect man, then we have us discovered, and then now we are called to go in and to express interest to those who have not, are not aware that God's interested in them. It's this beautiful ecosystem that gives glory to God. This idea of God shows interest in us through Christ. We discover that we are persons of interest, and then therefore, we are now to take that interest of God in us and we begin to share it with other people so that they are aware that they are persons of interest. It's absolutely beautiful how God discovered it. And, and it's interesting, um, the things that proceed from God. And you think about, well, there's a lot of things that proceed from God, you know, trees and plants and all that. He created all these things. But the overarching thing 
is comes to us again from John where it says, for God so loved. It seems to be the most intrinsic element that comes to us from God is his compassion. And so when we see that compassion revealed in the person of Christ, we were blown away that God would so love us. And now God is calling us to proceed from our life the exact same interest the compassion of God proceeding to other people. And why does this all work? It it all works because of compassion and because of sacrifice. God extends to us this people of interest um, through Christ, and now he calls us to take that interest that he has in us and to share it with other people. But it all came through compassion and it all came through sacrifice. You know, I'm, I'm here where I am today in my relationship with God, and even in my total life, I believe because God showed interest in me through Jesus, but also other people around me bought into that idea about me. When I was a young man, they, they bought into the idea that this young guy smoking way too much weed, this guy running the streets and all that, is a person of interest to God our Father. And as a result of it, through their sacrifice, through their compassion, I experienced that gift of new life. Now God's calling every one of us to invest what has been given to us into invested into other people. That's why we're here today at Compassion Sunday. It's because every one of us need a proceeding. I mean, I, I know you're probably not as interested in the philosophical and theological implications of it, you know, but when you, when you just look at the creeds and the idea of you know, Jesus becoming incarnate and Jesus proceeding from the Father and the begotten and all this other, and all this language. And we, we try to figure it out. We lay it down and we, we argue over the theology of it. But when you get it down to its root thing, it's all, about, it's all about God proceeding into the lives of others. And that's what God's calling us to do this Compassion Sunday is to proceed because a sacrifice has been made. Uh, a gift has been given, and now God wants us to share that interest, that divine interest that we have in us, to share it with others. There's a story, and in the story is my favorite Bible character. You know, I like Gideon, and of course I like the Apostle Paul. I mean, who wouldn't like the Apostle Paul? Dude's a stud. I mean, he's just like, amazing guy. Gideon's kind of cool. I like him because he's a little bit of a chicken and, uh, and has a hard time believing. He's a little bit of a skeptic, and I'm, I fall into the category of skeptic believer a lot of times. But there's one character. If God was to say, hey, um, you had to pick one, one story that represents you. Uh, last night, we were having dinner with uh, a bunch of friends, and the conversation came up with, if you had your last meal and you were about to have your last meal, what would be the one food that you would eat? And everybody was throwing stuff out there, you know, uh, French words I didn't understand. Steak got mentioned a bunch of times. But it came to me, I think everybody pretty much knew that it was going to be lobster, okay? And that's with an A. It's lobster all the way, boiled and then dipped in butter. It's lobster if that was my very last meal. If God was to come to me today and say, if there's one person in the Bible... One person in the Bible that you could communicate to your children and to your grandchildren, to everybody at Crosstown or in your life, this story has this person in it. 
And I, I want you to discover, discover him and the power of, of what he does. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs that he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up onto the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these may eat? Now, this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. I think this is really impactful because Jesus is inviting Philip and in other uh, places of this story, he's inviting them to the proceeding of God. See, giving food is a proceeding. Meeting needs is a proceeding. And so up to now, we have this point where Jesus is doing miracles, but now Jesus brings the disciples and said, listen, you have eaten of my sacrifice, you have eaten of my bread. And he's like, now involving them in the conversation of what proceeds from God. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And Philip answered him, like we would have, 200 denarii worth, or seven months' wages, of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive even a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, and here's our hero, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down, now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed them to who were seated. And likewise, also with the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. There are so many points that could be made about this story. But the one that I want to focus on today is my hero, a boy with a lunch. Um, so much of our lives is striven to make a name for ourselves, to become stuff, whether it's athletic or successful or rich or intelligent, to make a name for ourselves. And when I think about all the things that God, or I am concerned about what I should be, and there are many things, a great number of things that I think I should be, that I, I find in this phrase, a boy with a lunch, kind of a reduction down to what does God want you to be? You know, in the middle of this journey of life, what, what is it? You know, is, is it doctor, teacher, plumber? Um, carpenter, stay-home parent, whatever it may be. And we, we strive so much. And, and in this story, I find freedom and I find calling. I just need you, Paul, to just be a boy with a lunch. You don't want me to be amazing. Yeah, don't need that. You don't need, need me to be spectacular. No, it's overrated. You don't need me to be, you know, all these things. It's like, no, I... I just need you to be somebody that's willing to give up their lunch. 
That's all you need to be, is somebody who would give out their lunch. And by, by itself, when you look at it, it really isn't enough, is it? I mean, even Philip, or Andrew in this case, is kind of not mocking, but he's coming to the obvious conclusion that we've got 5,000 people here, and all we've got is a boy with a lunch. Here's the freedom in that, is that a lot of us think that in order to serve God, in, in order to make an impact, we got to do something great. You know, I mean, we just got to be amazing. And, and we got to have a lot. And we even say to ourselves, well, I'll give when I'm a millionaire. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and say, Pastor Paul, pray for me because I'm about to sell some real estate. And if I sell that real estate, I'll be able to give uh, a lot of money to the church. And I'll be like, all right, you want to do this? We'll do it. And they'll sell the real estate and I won't see them for six months. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I, wasn't, I had to reinvest it because of taxes. I had to reinvest all that money. And it's like, hey, I, no, no surprise there. And a lot of us are waiting to become philanthropists. We're waiting to become somebody. And all you have to be is a boy or a girl with a lunch. Now, I love it the way that they said it because visually, growing up in my generation, we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow every day, even in the summer, okay? I mean, so you heard those dumb stories. But the idea was that, you know, mom would make me, there was eight of us kids, mom would take the, a bag lunch, it was brown paper bag, and I, I love this woman, but it would just be like an American or a Swiss, a piece of Swiss cheese, and then some relish on it. And uh, it was kind of like a grilled cheese without the grill. And so, and that would be it. And every day I would go with my little bag lunch and, and, and eat it and, and thoroughly enjoy it. But the idea that Jesus could do something miraculous and something powerful and something extensive with a brown paper bag lunch from a young boy blew everybody's mind. But that's the hero. The hero in this story is the person who's willing to give up the lunch. I mean, and this is our moment right now. This is what God saw. God's not asking you to sell your house. God's not even asking you to go on a missions trip. A double woo. I mean, I am not a guy who goes on a missions trip. I went on one, got a little bug, got a little sick, lost a few body parts, things like that. Just not interested in it anymore. But it's so a lot of us are like, well, what is God going to ask me? It's like, what he's asking for us today is compassion. He's asking us just for your lunch and see what I can do with that lunch. See, when we give to the mission of helping other people or allow the proceeding of God from us as he proceeded from Jesus, even if it's a bag lunch, we are declaring to them that they are people of interest. Most people don't even care what that lunch is. Just the fact that you gave them a lunch. Why? Because it says something that we, we learned about that we all intrinsically need. We need somebody to say to us, I see you. I see you and you matter. That's powerful. I don't care if it's Swiss cheese with relish on it or not. All right, a couple of Cheetos. You know, what, it, what the power of it is, is that I see you. 
And then when a Christian does it, here's where it gets kind of like double amplified exponentially. Is that we're not just saying, hey, here's a meal. Hey, you know, we love you. When we give it in Jesus' name, we're saying not only are you a person of interest to us, but you are a person of interest to God. There is no higher interest you can convey to a human being than to say in a very Trinitarian kind of way, Jesus, us, and others, to say, I believe that I am of interest of God uh, through Christ on the cross. I am of interest, therefore you are of interest, and to allow that to proceed into another person's life. What's that do? It raises people from the dead. It raises them, it raises their dignity and their value. All of this with a bag lunch, with a boy with a lunch. He didn't understand the theology. All he understood was the power of, of American cheese with relish. He understood the power of just giving what you got. You see, with bread and fish, Jesus used his power to multiply the number of people fed. With compassion, God is using his people to multiply the depth of impact felt. So today, bring your lunch to Jesus. And he's going to multiply its impact. So you may be asking why Compassion Sunday? Why Compassion International? You know, um, I was talking to Catherine about it and about I really feel as a pastor, uh, we teach the truth here at Crosstown. We do really well. If you um, are in small group or in relationship and mentorship, we're real good. The place that I really felt like there was a hole in proceeding from here, proceeding, it's not just teaching, it's not just knowing people, it's not just being in fellowship, was I felt a real lack of proceeding beyond our borders, beyond into other people's lives. I didn't feel like that there was a real opportunity for us. So when I started to look, I looked at Compassion. I started looking at different organizations that were out there, and there are a lot of, a lot of good ones out there. But everything about Compassion said, in Jesus' name. It had the proceeding of education, proceeding of, of uh, sustenance, of food, of medical care, of local support and relationship with churches. It had all those, those elements that meet spiritual and physical and educational and emotional needs. It was this, this concept of holistic development in a person's life that works. When you and I support a child for $38 a month, well, let me just stop right there. $38 a month. There's your bag lunch. Just think about, about your day. Think about your week, how you go through it. If you're like me, you know, I'll leave the house and I'll say, oh, I'm not eating lunch today. I need to lose a couple pounds. And someplace about one o'clock, after having two lattes, I did stop at Starbucks on the way, which that was about $3.50. I don't know, maybe it's more. I'm just not paying attention. It's more? Yeah, okay, so inflation. And so I would do that. And those bacon bits, you know, things, the French uh, things, um, after I eat those. But I'm not going to eat lunch. And so I'll go, about 1 o'clock, I'm walking around here, and, and I'll be like, hey, how about uh, I buy you fly? 
I'll do, I'll buy you a fly. I'll buy, and by the time it's all over with, I'm doing, I'm doing Chick-fil-A or I'm doing something. And by the time the day's over with, by it's all over with, I'm approaching about $30 invested in food on a day when I said that I was going to eat lunch. But even if you just added that up over a week, even if you just added that up over a month, $38, they will receive meals that are nutritious, they will receive clear, clean water, and for a lot of them, for the very first time, out of your little bag lunch, they will receive a new set of clothing and shoes. They will immediately receive medical care as a result of being a part of the Compassion Sponsorship Program. For kids who are living in poverty in developing countries, public school is not free. So you have to pay to go to school in developing countries. So if, if mom and dad don't have enough money to put at least one child in school, it doesn't happen. You have to buy a uniform, you have to pay for books, you have to be enrolled in the tuition of the public school system. So most kids living in extreme poverty can't go to school. But when you sponsor a child through compassion, their tuition is paid for. Their uniform and their books are paid for. Not only that, they have specialized tutoring that happens from local churches to help the child catch up with the other children. That's really powerful. I mean, to have that special tutoring that takes place with the, with the churches. When, as they age, they begin to be given life skills training in income-generating vocations so that when they graduate, they can go on to a degree program and also so that they can sustain their own lives. This is really big. There are a lot of other programs that are out there, and, and I know, and, and they're good. Good, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. But if you're like me, I want to have a systemic impact. I don't want to just... You know, Jesus feeds these people for a day. And that was awesome. I'm not taking away from the power of Jesus. But Jesus says greater works than these that we will do. And it's like, we're not just going to feed them for a day with the church. We're not just going to pass out bread. But what systemically we're going to do is that we are going to invest in the lives of these children through education, through uh, uh, skill training so that they can generate their own income. Too many times we're, we have, particularly from a well-developed country like our own, we'll be a part of some maybe Christmas program where we fill a bunch of boxes with Christmas stuff. Awesome, keep doing it, nice program, and, and all. And, that's, and every one of us at time need a box of just stuff that brings a smile to our face and reminds us that we're loved by God. Compassion goes deeper than that. Compassion is providing training for vocations in life. They get love and support from their local churches, and there's this one-on-one -on -one relationship that they get. And then there's you. There's you. My wife, we have a compassion child, and my wife, um, I'm not as good with it. I'm just going to say to you right up front, um, I, my wife makes it all happen, um, and she 
gets photos, she gets letters, and, and she'll, uh, like at breakfast, we'll be having coffee together, and she'll break out the compassion child letter and read the letter to me, and then will ask me, what do you want to say to our compassion child, and, and, and constantly brings it before us. And that's what most of us need, isn't it? Most of us aren't ruthless, cold-hearted sons of guns. Most of us just need it brought in front of us. We just need to be reminded that our bag lunch can make a difference. But you can get involved through, through this, through the process. Um, when they graduate high school, they graduate from the program, biblically self-sufficient as an adult whose lives have been transformed, transformed through the compassion program. There's this phrase that they use at compassion that I think explains it perfectly. You can't lift a child out of poverty until you have taken the poverty out of the child. I mean, unless you change how the child thinks, how, how equipped the child is mentally, spiritually, how the child is affirmed in value and dignity, that then the child can face the material poverty of the world around them because inside they no longer live in poverty because it's been taken out. That's what we're doing with our bag lunches. That's what God's offering us the opportunity to do today. But if, but if you, you have a hard time seeing this, this is why we've invited uh, Catherine to come join us. Catherine Mott from the Dominican Republic. She was a sponsored child. There was somebody who decided to sponsor a child, and Catherine was that child. And she has come here to today to tell you how it works and how it personally impacted her life. And um, I've, I've already loved this woman. I, you know, when you meet genuine souls, in life, and you meet a lot of them, and, and, and God's working at making all of us genuine souls, getting all that crap off of us so that we can just be really who we are in Christ. And to me, a genuine soul is always a gift because it, it, you help recenter me, you know, recenter us. We look at all the stupid stuff on CNN and Fox News and all the things that we're worried about buying and all this stuff, and all of a sudden we hear somebody who lives through the power of compassion and then begins to turn around and give that compassion. So welcome. Tell us Thank your you. story. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Church, for having me. It's an honor to be here. You know, I, I was thinking uh, while I was sitting there in that song we sang earlier, this is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. He saves us. And this is pretty much what happened in my case. Um, I remember that day when I was in school, and my teacher told me that my mother was there to pick me up. I was happy I was going home after a long day at school. Um, when I walked down the stairs and I see the lady, the teacher referred to as my mom, I'm, I'm like, that's not my mom, teacher, that's my aunt. But that lady said, no, 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 I'm your mother. I mean, being five years old, maybe six, that was shocking. I mean, then who's that lady at home? Why is she pretending to be my mom? Why is this happening to me right now? I mean, I was fine. That was a regular day. I was okay. But then that event in my life, and nobody would even explain why or, or, or say anything about it because I was too young. 
right? But that happened. And then in years, I learned that my biological mother was, was not even capable of raising me. She was a drug addict. She was a prostitute. And she worked at a nightclub owned by my father. What a story I learned. And, that, and, and that was me. I was the one affected by that. And you know, as a child, you expect your parents to say, I love you, Catherine, or Mike, or Brenda. I love you. But those were not the words I received. In fact, she said to me, you are a mistake in my life. Like straight to my face. And I wouldn't believe what I was hearing. Because I was like, okay, but why is this happening to me? Why? You're, you're out of the sudden, you show up, show up at school and you say you're my mom, but then you disappear, I don't see you anymore, and I have to work together with this lady that is raising me. I remember I would go to school in the morning and then after school I would go, I would go to her place of work. She worked as a maid and I would clean houses with her because we didn't, not, we didn't have enough. She had three daughters of her own and we were maybe five at home or six, and we had to work very hard to get a piece of bread, a, a, a cup of chocolate in the afternoon, and sometimes that would be our single meal. I mean, as a child, you, you don't realize you are poor. You just live. You are trying to survive. With that single meal, sometimes we would have eggs and breads in the afternoon, but I was poor. That's the reality. And I was striving to get answers from that single moment while I was striving with poverty, physical poverty. But mentally, I don't know how I'm able to be here today, like in one piece. It's because of God. And you know, also there's people who take action. They hear the voice of God calling them to do something and they take a step forward and then they're like, okay, I'm going for this child. I'm going to invest in this child. I want this child to be somebody. But you don't, as a sponsor, you don't realize how deep it is until you receive a letter and sometimes you get the chance to meet your sponsored child and see the developed in this, in this child. In my case, I learned about compassion through my biological grandmother. She was a member of the local church that um, had the partnership with compassion. And it's in the midst of these situations that I described before that I learned about compassion. You know, everything started to change into better. I remember that day that uh, my tutor, my teacher from the Compassion Center, she would come into the room and she would say, Catherine, you have a letter. I knew immediately that I had a sponsor because I hadn't received letters before. And, you know, my friends would be like, Catherine, good for you. We're thankful for you. But I was the one who was thankful. I have somebody, and when I open this letter, the first thing it says is, Catherine, we love you already. <laughs> How come? You don't know me, and you love me? At home, I wouldn't receive those words of affirmation. Because this lady that was raising me, she was so busy while trying to support the family, to bring food to our tables. So those words, they were new to me. Can you imagine a child eight years old, 10 years old, never been told, I love you. You are loved. You are important for us. 
And we, I know you guys try to say that to, to make sure that your child knows how loved, how loved they are. But that was not my case. So I, I started to see these sponsors as somebody that I had to honor because of that. So you can imagine how devastated I was inside of me. So I would misbehave in school. Um, you know, I was a hard kid. But they would be so patient, so lovely with me that they would never, you know, treat me their wrong way because of my behavior. I guess I was trying to call somebody's attention though, but at compassion, I felt loved, protected, and treated with dignity. That's what I needed. I mean, I know I had to eat. I know I had to go to school, but I needed love and care, which I was not receiving. And by the investment of these uh, sponsors and through their letters, I was also exposed to the gospel. Right, So I was convinced I had to give my life to Christ because I knew that if I, if I was uh, still alive, it was because of Christ. Because the measures, the, 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 the circumstances told me that I was not supposed to be alive. In fact, my mother told me that she tried to abort many times. Can you imagine that? I'm here in one piece. So I, I'm grateful that she didn't get it. Um, so I see God today, if I look back, I see God through compassion, through somebody that said, I'm here for this child. So besides all the investment, the physical support that I had, I was exposed to Christ. And I said one day, I really need to get rid of this burden that I have here against my mother. She had never said, Catherine, I am sorry for the, for the harm for uh, how affected you were because of me. She never said that. So I decided I wanted to go to her and say, Mom, I forgive you, which I did. She was in town that day, and I called her, and uh, we met. And the first thing I said, Mom, you know what? <laughs> I forgive you. And she was, like, shocked because she, I don't think she even realized that she had harmed me. Because she was affected as well. She was a victim of drugs, prostitutions, and who knows what else. So when I said that to her, she didn't even respond. But I know that these words kept in her heart because later in years, she would ask me to pray for her. And I know God is working in her heart. She was over cancer, you know, that these uh, people who... Um, suffer from, from cancer, they become sensitive uh, to others and stuff. And I know that God may be using these circumstances in her life to bring her to Christ. But the fact that I was the believer, that I was the one who met Christ, and now I'm praying for her, I know that speaks to her heart. I know that. And right, she's not doing drugs anymore, and I praise God for that. Uh, we have a very good relationship now. But thinking about compassion, those were the things that I was needing. I don't think I would have been able to do everything I've done without the intervention of godly people. I mean, I was not alone in my broken world. It was a broken world, but I had godly people that were there for me. They would say, I love you. Even the staff, even the cooks, that when they would serve pizza, 
they would give me a double portion because I, I, they know that I was lacking. So they'll come, put me aside, here's another piece. <laughs> so can you imagine that? Somebody taking care for you in that level. And I'm here today because I live for this. I live for those tons of children that are still there waiting for sponsorships. Like, like uh, the video we showed before. She was, did you see her? She was crying. She was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that I got my sponsors. And today, uh, my hope is that we can see that there is, it's a ministry. Every time you send a letter to a child, you have the opportunity to minister their hearts. Like today, we read from Paul, from Peter, from John, and we get to get connected with Christ through their letters. I know maybe Peter did not realize that he, we would have been reading his letters today, but how effective letters are. And it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to minister the life of this child. And potentially this child would become a Christian, this child would become independent, able to provide for himself and, and his family, but we have to, to take action. We have to say, here I am for this child. And today, I am a graduate from linguistics in English, and I am a manager for a trucking company in New Jersey. I work from the DR, this company is there. And I, don't, I, even, I didn't even dream that I would become a professional. In fact, I'm the only one from my family. And as the pastor said, it costs money to get education. And that was possible because somebody said, I am here for Catherine. And through the local church, they have been walking with me till today, pastor, till today, church. They have, every time I go there, I get the same, the same people, the same treat. Catherine, here's coffee now that I'm an adult. Catherine, we're here for you. How's everything going? Even today, I'm 30 years old, and they call me. The project director, they call me. Hey, how are you doing? I see that you're traveling, that you're speaking on behalf of children. We are grateful for you. We are proud of you. So we, we together, we can get that in another life of another child. And that's, that's the reason why I'm here. Thank you so much. Wow, thank you. Thank you very much, Catherine. Wow. The power of a transformed life. In a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity. We've kind of crafted the end of our service a little bit differently. We're going to give you an opportunity to be a Bible hero. Um, not a Moses so much, uh, not an Elijah so much, uh, more of like a, a boy or a girl with a lunch. An opportunity with a small amount to empower a child. So, what's our next steps? You'll see that there are when you're looking at the children and asking the Lord to connect you with a child, you'll see this packet that our volunteers will give you. The top portion will tell you about the story of our child, tell you also about the support that they'll be getting monthly from you. In the middle, it'll tell you about the community that they're growing up, a little bit about the country, and then about her personal life. This is a real person. It's a real child. For you skeptics out there like me, this is not some avatar of a fake person and that your money, you know, in your letter gets thrown in a dumpster when your donation goes to Atlanta before it gets sent off 
to Bolivia or Ecuador or wherever it goes. Now, this is a real person that knows that you're alive, that reads your letters, that will write back to you. What we're going to ask you to do is that once you've decided on your child that you, you take that, the bottom portion has where you fill out all your information, front and back. This is where, this is where you put your bag lunch. Um, fill that out before leaving today with your packet. If it'd be easier for you, on the back there's a little QR code you can scan with your phone and that will open up the form so that you can do it online. We ask that you would still do that here before that you leave. If you're online today and you're watching in the bottom right-hand corner of, of our telecast, we, um, there's a number that you can text to and it will start the whole process so that you can be a part of what Crosstown is doing today and be a part of this. This is it. See, God has proceeded in Christ to show us that we matter. Now God wants to proceed through us to tell these children that they matter. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be spectacular. You don't have to be rich. You just have to share your lunch with a child. Our goal today is to rescue 50 children. Um, And these kids, we have chosen these children from the Dominican Republic, Bolivia, Ecuador, and Honduras. And the reason why we did that was so that you can go visit them. Because compassion will arrange it so that you can travel to your child and that you can meet your child. And I know a lot of us, we go to Disney. A lot of us go to the Grand Canyon. A lot of us go to a lot of different places. Some of you go to Israel because you want to be there where it all happened. Well, let me encourage you. You can go to Ecuador where it's still happening. You don't have to go into the past to find Jesus. You can go into the present and see Jesus living in the life of a child that you're sponsoring. What a beautiful opportunity God has given every single one of us today. If you're a grandparent here, this is a great opportunity for you to connect with your grandkids. I'm a grandparent and, you know, when they were little, you know, we did the Disney thing. We did the fishing thing and all this as they're getting older. You know, we try to find some common ground in the middle of all that that's going on in their lives. Every one of us that get a little older, we want to leave a legacy. You know, you want to be remembered for something. And for a lot of us, the only thing that we've driven, uh, we've decided was, I'm going to, you're going to get my land cruiser when I die. Or... You can share the house with your nine brothers when we die. You know, we think that's legacy. But if you were to bring your children in on this, have them and your grandchildren, have them help you write letters to your children. I mean, you are giving your kids, you a legacy of compassion. Sure, they'll root for your football team. They'll always be Steelers fans. They'll always be Carolina Panther fans. And and yes, they'll like what you like, but wouldn't it be great if you could leave a legacy of compassion? It's like out of my mom and my dad, out of my grandpa and grandma's life, what proceeded forth from their life more than everything else was compassion. 
let me encourage you to decide today if, or no, not if, how you're going to get involved. Because the life of God in you does not leave an if. There is no if for the people of God. If we are made in the image of Christ, then what must happen in us and from us is proceeding. As it proceeds from the Father and it proceeds from the Son and the Holy Spirit proceeds and proceeds in us, for the Christian, there must be a procession of compassion into another person's life. If you decide to sponsor more than one child, just fill out the card for one of the children and then they will staple together the other children on that same card. So, pray about it today in the next few minutes. You have a bag lunch. Are you willing to give it to Jesus? This is, um, I tell you, I get mixed feelings in a moment like this because I feel an obligation at one point, you know? It's like, wow, you just made me feel obligated through Jesus. And that's good. There are some things to feel obligated to. But then I also feel alive. You know, like my carbon footprint is worth it. The amount of space and time that I take upon this planet was not just for myself. Your physical life may be constricted to Charleston, but your compassion doesn't have to be. This is how you send your compassion into the world around you. So today we're not going to be taking communion in the normal way. And why not? Um, Because... Jesus already gave us his bag lunch and so much more. And we have all eaten and tasted that the Lord is good. We're offering communion on the sides if you want to connect with the Lord. But I want to also say that we have been invited to the table of the Lord. It's now time for us to invite people to our table. And from our table to experience the table of the Lord. So, I'm going to release you to go to the tables and our service will be over, but not our calling. This moment will be over, but not our mission. Let me encourage you. Grab a hold of the mission of God for your life. Could you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for showing us the power of just one lunch. Lord God, thank you for inviting us to be a part of the poverty issue. Getting the poverty out of a child before we can get a child out of poverty. You have called us and equipped us with our bag lunch to make a difference in a life like Catherine's, to forever change a child's destiny through compassion. So Father, as we thank you for giving and proceeding forth your love and compassion, 
Today I present myself, we present ourselves as an expression of your proceeding through our compassion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now let's go rescue a child with the power of lunch. <laughs>